And here we are, welcome to Talking Bollocks, it's 2018! Yes! It is back, I am back, we are back, Talking Bollocks is back in your face, celebrating three years of Talking Absolute Bollocks. It is I, your friend, your neighbourhood neighborhood dickhead, Howard H. Smith. Good to have you back, it's good to be back. Um, so, uh, my name is Howard H. Smith. I sing in UK thrash band Acid Rain, acidrain.co.uk. I do stand-up comedy, Keith Black, doc, keithplatt.co.uk. Um, I do spoken word. Yeah, I've been starting doing that as well. Got a show in Glasgow coming up on April the 6th. If you're up for Lords of the Land, get your asses along. Five quid. Five quid only of your silly money. Five pounds. And you can get to watch me talk absolute shit for an entire fucking hour and a half. So, plug for that, April 6th, Glasgow Audio. Go get some tickets. Um, And please do, if you'd like to get more involved in the podcast, as in if you'd like to get your questions asked to uh, of of various people. I mean, look at the episode today. Max Cavaliera and Fish, for for goodness sake. If you want to, if you've got any questions, burning questions, all you need to do is become part of the um, uh, Patreon club. That is patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. There you can become an acid rain insider and a, a um, bollocker extra. You get an extra podcast that's only available if you subscribe. It's $5 a month, which is £3.70 in real money. That is all. It's less than two coffees, for fuck's sake. Come on. I need the money. So there we go. Okay, that's the end of the intro. That's the end of all the usual waffle and bollocks. Well, no, this is just the beginning of the bollocks, isn't it? Let's face it. Um, So what has been happening in the world of metal since last we spoke? Well, the big news this week is that um, Slayer are calling it a day. And um, uh, the the only way I can describe this is the end of an era. Um, Slayer are are the band that I have seen more than any other. Um, I mean, I'm not including bands I've toured with there, um, but the band that I've, you know, dipped into my pocket and spent money and gone to see more than anyone else. Um, and uh, I've never, ever come away from a Slayer show and, th- and thought, eh, yeah, it was all right. I mean, y- you know, it, you can never accuse them of, n- of, of not giving it their all. Um, and I've been pleasantly surprised by, by the, the general reaction as well. The general reaction to them um, calling it a day seems to be, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go and see them that one last time, um, which is which is really good to see. I mean, still a few, you know, hardcore knobheads. Oh, they, you know, I've not I've not liked Slayer since they sold out after he- Hell Awaits, you know, just harder core than now. Fucking cockends. And... Um, uh, but, you know, in general, people seem to be saying the same thing, which is, yeah, I'll go and see him one last time and they're, they're going to bow out. Fair enough. And, um, you know, it, it it is sad, but it's I think it's the right time to do it. So there you go. I'm sure everybody in the Slayer camp will feel a lot better knowing that I've uh, given them the, <laughs> my um, seal of approval on the the, uh, uh, the time to quit. So, uh, what else has been going on? Um, uh, right, YouTube have finally revealed themselves to be the absolute cunts that they are. Um, I am going to dig out. I'm going to dig out an email here from those wonderful people. Here we go. This was sent to me. YouTube creators update. 
So this is what I got. Talking bollocks. Today we are announcing changes to the YouTube Partner Programme. While our goal remains to keep the YouTube Partner Programme open as many channels as possible, we recognise that we need more safeguards in place to protect creator revenue across the YouTube ecosystems. Yeah, so you know that that is the fucking lube. Here comes the fucking cocking. What's changing? Under the new eligibility requirements announced today, your YouTube channel, Talking Bollocks, is no longer eligible for monetization because it does not mean the, the new threshold, which they have just decided, is 4,000 hours of watch time within the past 12 months and 1,000 subscribers. So, yeah, you, you can have, like, 1,100 subscribers, but you have to deliver a minimum 4,000 hours of watch time in a 12-month period to qualify for monetization. So basically, fuck you, you smaller YouTube creators. Fuck you all. YouTube slash, it's Google, for fuck's sake, folks. It is Google. Google own YouTube. YouTube is Google. Google is YouTube, okay? They are the ones doing the fucking of the music business, the fucking of bands, and now they're fucking all of their smaller creators as well. 4,000 hours a year. 4,000 hours a year. Basically, if you ain't a full-time YouTuber, we're going to fucking screw you over. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? I am going to be putting this on YouTube, obviously, to, so people can still get at it. But, I mean, what a pack of cunts. You know, what an absolute pack of cunts. Um, anyway, I, I, I will just go down a YouTube rabbit hole how much a pack of cunts they are, and that's not going to do any of us any good. Um... Something else that didn't do any of us any good. Um, played um, played the Hard Metal Fest in Portugal, uh, January the 5th, which was awesome. Had a great time. But unfortunately, four of the five of us, which included me, um, I went with a cold, came back with a worse one. It was colder over there than it was here. And so came back with a worse cold and the norovirus. Oh, now there's a combination you want. So I had like about three days of not knowing whether I was going to sneeze, cough, shit or fart. That's basically what I was doing. It was farting, coughing, shitting, sneezing. So it'd be like fart, cough, shit, shit, fart, cough, sneeze, sneeze, shit, sneeze, cough, fart, shit. And it just all going on all of the time. Stuff coming out my nose. Stuff. Oh, sorry, I, threw, I forgot to mention puking. Oh, I forgot to mention puking. Puking, shitting, farting, burping, sneezing, coughing. And just basically a, a combination of that for three days. What a fucking nightmare. Honestly, I, there, there were times where I just thought, I am, you know, I'm not long for this world. I know it sounds like a, uh, um, I'm totally over-dramatising uh, over it, but if you have had the norovirus, there'll be people who have had it nodding away going, yep, that will fucking ruin your week, that will. Absolute motherfucker. I, I honestly, it was. I had toilet roll next to next to the sofa, and that was for just you know both ends any time. Uh, I'm not going to go into any more detail. I'm just not. But suffice to say, it was like something from a scene from uh, a, a fucking movie set in the 18th century. People fucking dying in the streets. It was. Um, yeah, my flat was uh, was a no go area. Um, uh, funny, I've actually, um, <laughs> I've actually uh, uh, put in my opening notes um, the Glasgow talking bollocks thing, but I just got straight into that. I mean, it is effectively talking bollocks on the road without without interviews. It's just it's me telling all the stories, 
not all of them that uh, that I can't that I can't tell on the podcast, but telling just telling stories and just you know generally doing what I do here. Um, but not as much about, you know, obviously I don't go on stage and start pontificating about what's going on in metal um, this week. Um, it tends to be an, more an autobiography, uh, autobiographical thing. But, you know, anyway, you get it. So um, somebody I've called out on the podcast in the past, I think for it was b- before the release of the uh, the last album, I was slagging off Rob Flynn for going off saying, oh, this is crazy. It's got some of the heaviest shit we've ever done. It's got some of the thrashiest shit we've ever done. And I, and I was taking the piss out of him. And then I was listening to his interview with Jamie Jaster, which is really worth a listen. Um, it's like it's like listening to a younger brother and an older brother doing a podcast together. It's fucking brilliant. Um, but um, and fair play to Rob Flynn. He's about to go out and do the press tour for the new album, and he's saying, you know, I'm I'm saying to everybody, look, this isn't the hardest thing we've ever done. There, this isn't the thrashiest thing we've ever done. If anything, this is more like a follow up to the Burning Red than a follow up to the. Um, uh, the last album and I thought wow that is that is really really brave and refreshing and I was re- and I thought I'm, my interest is peaked and um, and I got a, um, an advanced copy of Catharsis the new Machine Head album and I for one like it I mean I've got it down to 11 songs from 16 you know I mean I've taken f- but fair play I've taken five songs off I've still got 11 that, that I'm liking now I know you're either in with this album or you're out you know, you either think Bastard is great and refreshing or you think it's knockoff Dropkick Murphys and, and is fucking horrendous. But I, I genuinely, I'm liking the album. I am, I'm liking the 11 tracks that, that make up my version of the album. Um, and um, yeah, so it's a January release. It's an early contender for album of the year. And say no more, it is album of the year time. Yes, that's right. It's the time where I pontificate about. I've said that word a lot already, haven't I? I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I must. I must get. I must remember. Note to self: be more interesting. Use more different words. So, um, yeah, here they are in in, in no particular order. Um, we have got right here. We are. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go into my. Um, I'm just going to go into my uh, my notes here. Right here we go. Um, Ah, bloody things like this is fantastic isn't it this is what yeah you can get extra <laughs> you can get extra of this um if you um if you sign up oh, right there we go oh, no i don't want that oh god right and i'm sounding like a complete chimp here um sorry guys i will i will sort my life out any minute right so um first up is um he is legend the album is Few, uh, F-E-W, not Few, P-H-E-W. Oh, Few, that would be a shit album title. Um, it came out early in 2017. Um, Here's Legend are, for me, they're, they're, it's such a weird mix of kind of indie metal. Um, it's not like the Deftones, but the Deftones is a reference point, but not a particularly good one. Um but the album, I just, every time I see it, every time I'm in the car and I see that CD, I think, yep, I'm going to pop that in. And it just delivers. It absolutely delivers. So, um, yep, there is my, there, there's my first pick of the year. Um, next up is Mastodon, Emperor of Sand. I've talked about this with you guys before. I mean, it was definitely Acid Rain's April tour album. We were all listening to it. Um, it returned to form for me, just some great songs, some really weighty lyrics. 
Um, and um, I wasn't much of a fan of the last album, uh, Once More Around the Sun, for some reason, couldn't get into it. But this album is, it's great. It, and it's just a collection of just awesome songs. And I, you know, I urge you to check it out. Next up, good old thrash creator gods of violence from january 2017 what an album i think i must have said at the time that you know there's every chance this is going to be in my top five of the year and it's been there all year long um it's a classic it really is and hail to the hordes it might be cheesy whatever but i tell you it is an absolute modern thrash classic it's not fast it's just it's just awesome and there's you know there's we've been together through the darkest moments in life it's just there's when he says that honestly I I well up it is just an awesome awesome song awesome album Um, next up well you know biannually these guys appear in my um, in my top albums it is Prong Zero Days done it again Zero Days is an awesome awesome album absolutely love it um, uh, the previous album um, was was also in my uh, in my top five two years ago. I'm a sucker for prong. Love Tommy. Love what he does, and vastly vastly underrated. So please do you know check out some prong. Zero days is a great way to start. Um, it's just just an awesome band. No one's got a sound like prong. Um, and then at, from out of nowhere came Life of Agony. A place where there is no more pain. Um, just simply a return to form, a great album, a wonderful interview. I, I, I got to interview Mina, got to interview Joey Z, got to see them live. It was just absolutely wonderful. Um, and a real, uh, just a wonderful return from a band who've been away far too long. Uh, I mean, their, their debut album, The River Runs Red, is one of the greatest debuts of any genre by any band. I mean, you know, a bunch of kids, teenagers in their early 20s, debut album, concept album about depression. Oh, my God, what a work of fucking genius. But anyway, enough of that. Place where there's no more pain. Absolutely. You know, the band are back and kicking it hard. It is just superb. So that is my that's my top five shout outs for Propagandi, for Prophets of Rage, for Frank Carter. And I'm going to have to make an amendment here. Because the new Eminem album came out between Christmas and New Year. Who the fuck releases a new album between Christmas and New Year, Howard? I'll tell you who. Eminem and no one else. Um, And I'm going to hold that over for a potential best album of 2018 because I just have not had time to do it justice in the time that it's been out. Okay, so I'm putting that out there. I'm making that amendment. I... I'm I look it's my podcast and it's the fucking my rules so I'm I'm saying that is going to be 2018 okay so that is that's falling into 2018 and fuck you if you've got a problem with that um also I don't know why anybody would have a problem with that but also it's it's just you know it, 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 I need some time. So um, anyway, just before I interview the, the first interview, a little bit, a little note here from uh, Oz Fox Striper. Sorry, Oz Fox Striper. Oz Fox from Striper. Um, I mean, you know he's gonna, you know he's gonna have something sensible to say when his name's Oz Fox, don't you? You just know this guy. And anyway, uh, in a recent interview, he said, "My relationship with God has never been better, and He knows and cares about every situation in my life." And I'd just like to say, wow, that is not at all arrogant, is it? 
That's not at all arrogant statement to make that you have a one-on-one relationship with the almighty creator and that your relationship relationship has never been better and he knows and cares about every situation in your life hey isn't that wonderful that you have been able to have this one-on-one conversation the arrogance the absolute jaw-dropping staggering arrogance of any human being to make a statement like that, that you have had a a two-way conversation and you are God, yeah, you're good with each other. And you are such a brilliant human being that he cares about every single aspect of your life. Absolute, really? That's fucking, well, if something shit happens in your life in the next few minutes, presumably he, he, he was just, just, just nipped out to the shops or something. I, I, it's just fucking staggering arrogance. Anyway, enough of that. It's into the very first interview. The first interview is coming up and it is with Max Cavalieri. Yeah, I finally managed to track him down. Two fucking years it's taken me to get, to get him and Fish. And then they both come along within a fortnight of each other. Hey, amazing. Like buses. Like big musical human buses that are not like buses. So, um... Uh, this was a freezing night. Uh, me and my mate Jody uh, went along um, to the gig that I've already told you about. It was the Return to Roots gig, second time at the um, at the uh, uh, town and country. I call it the town and country now. Am I fucking hell, the forum? Um, it was used to be TNC too for those old bastards. Um, and yeah, got to sit down on the tour bus with him. I was only given fifteen minutes. I managed to worm sixteen minutes out, but there is also a separate a separate section. Um, additional to this that will go on the um, uh, Patreon part of the podcast. But this is... uh, So the noise you can hear in the background of our interview is um, the air conditioning. Uh, Sidebar, I um, I bought some clip-on mics um, over Christmas, which I will be using from now on, that I used this afternoon in an interview that's for February with um, Chris McGreal. And so, you know... I'm hoping that in future you will not be hearing so much background noise. So here we go. This is me, Max, and the air conditioning having a chat on a tour bus in December. There we go. Um, Jody, Max, Max, Jody. It's my friend, Hi. Jody. Just keep it warm. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's a bit chilly. Um, so, um, uh, my name's Howard, uh, my podcast is called Talking Bollocks. Um, Good name. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, it's what I do. Um, uh, I um, sing in a UK thrash band called Acid Rain. We were around way back in the day. I think we split up just as you guys were coming up. And, um, and I did stand-up comedy for 20 years, and now I'm back doing the band again. So Because right. once it's in your veins, <laughs> you know. You can't stop it, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you're the guy to be talking about you got, that. You got beat by the bug metal, metal bug. A, a bit at um, uh, 15, yeah. you know, that was my first band. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just like, it's just something you got to do. You know, yeah. got, I got back off tour on Sunday. Um, and uh, it's just, there's just something about it, man. There's just, well, I mean, you live the life. You've, that's, the, I was going to say, when do you ever have a break? Do you, do you ever have a holiday? Well... It's, it's kind of like a, 
we do have a time between tours I get to go home for like two three weeks and that is kind of my holiday session yeah. but even when I'm home I'm working on like writing riffs and stuff for future records you know um, and I think that's at some point I think in one year two years from now I want to do take a proper holiday because I think the last one I took was like 15 years ago yeah, yeah I think you you've know, earned one I went to Jamaica you know and with all my family that was great you know and I like to do something like that again because we've just been going non-stop but um, it, it, so many projects you know I have Cavalera Conspiracy Soulfly Killer BQ Return to Roots it takes a lot of your time <laughs> yeah I know I know I don't know which ones to yeah, ask you about yeah, first yeah so the whole <laughs> time consuming and they all need special attention and I end up doing going jumping from one to the other you know so yeah uh, which I think is cool for me it keeps me really um, motivated and also like really it's really exciting to me to, to jump from from one project to the other like that so do you think will you, so could you be on the road with one band and kind of writing riffs for, I haven't, for another band I haven't, done, like? I haven't done that no I, I, I found that to be a little bit distracted so I want if, if, like right now I'm on to return to roots so I'm pretty much uh, fixated on this on this deal you know so it's like the shows and what we're doing for the betterment of this show you know? focused focused on, what, right, you, on yeah. what you're doing so, but when I go home now I'm writing the new Soulfly yeah so, I saw so, that so, yeah. so right away actually I get home probably rest for one day and it's grab the guitar let's write some riffs we gotta oh, get going man. we gotta get going you know because yeah. we got studio booked for January already so it has Studios. to be ready <laughs> so it has to be ready that's 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 kind of like how I like to work like put the pressure on deadline do it you have to do yeah. it you know yeah yeah otherwise yeah. you don't deliver yeah 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 yeah. so you just sit around and go well we got plenty of time we got plenty of time and then all of a sudden you ain't got yeah, plenty of time I mean, anymore almost like luxury is the enemy of good music when you have too much luxury too, too much time it's, it's, it's wrong I like the opposite it's like yeah pressure is good <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely pressure is actually you know you, you come up with good shit I you have to I remember Dee Schneider saying after um, after Stay Hungry and you know he remembers like they had time to write the next record and he was like sat by a swimming pool with like you know five cars and a garage and all this it was like I'm I've got I've got nothing to complain about you know I've got I've got no drive to yeah. to do it right um, but it, momentum as well you're constantly if you're constantly creating then it, it, it keeps coming rather than like taking a break and yeah I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a big metal fan so to me it's like you know if I'm not and I don't listen to my own stuff very much only if I have to like if I have to do a tour like we did Nail Bomb in America so I went back and listened to all the, the oh, Nail Bomb love material you know? I'd love to um, see it and it was fun driving, you know, diving back in the material and learning the riffs and learning the, the, the lyrics again you know um, but if I'm listening to music I'm my own leisure time I listen to other people's music and they all like most a lot of it my friends of mine you know like um, you know nails and Bowser and the gate creeper you know a lot of the, the stuff that I listen to you know it's like I really love the, the extreme side of metal and I love 
it's, I can't get enough, you know. And I think Metro is a really good place right now. Well, the yeah. the, the other thing is, is like listening to other people as well. That's that's yeah. inspiring, and it, push, it is. And it pushes you to to do better work. It does. It does for yeah. sure. If it, it, that's something that I really think, um, like our last record, Psychosis, was really influenced by. Um, was influenced by our old old stuff I did with Sepultura with Igor, like schizophrenia and Arise, but also influenced by uh, a whole new breed of groups that has came out since then, like Full of Hell, Nails, you know. Yeah. Uh, even Joe, we got Justin from Godflesh on the record, which was really cool. I loved, I loved that, it, and he was terrific. He was great, you know, great vocals on it, and uh, I just listened to their new record, and I love it. You know, so definitely one of my favorite bands. Well, you're you're all about the collaboration, aren't you? I love I mean, it. You know, the soft soft lies a tribe, isn't it? It's, I'm it's... a metal slut. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have no shame. I just go yeah. and ask them, be on my yeah. record, please, come on, make right, it happen. Did, right. Well, in, in that case, next Acid Rain album, I'm I'm, I'm getting you on it. You okay, you if you're whoring yourself yeah. out, then no, I'm good. I mean, I'm you know more than happy. Actually, I've got to remember. I've, I've got to tell you this. Why I remember when you mentioned. And, um, nail bomb. Um, back in the day, just after nail bomb came out, I had the nail bomb. Um, feels good to be a punk loser T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I got thrown off a golf course for wearing it. it was, really? Yeah, yeah. They came up. They 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 came up to me. That was in the, my brief flirtation with golf, which I soon realised yeah. was something never to do again. And that, and that phrase actually was came out of a of a drunk recording night. I, I, I drank a whole bottle of rum and then I got obliterated, right? And I. I would have had the mic I just finished tracking the Doom song and that just came out and it, right. we kept it on the record and we decided to put on a t-shirt you know that's, yeah, well, that was an awesome idea it's a, it's a cool quote it's, it's kind of cool that came out of nowhere like that you know and uh, that was the kind of the feeling like like what I think Nail Bomb gives you like if you feel like a punk loser you feel dirty you know when you listen to Nail Bomb it's yeah, not supposed yeah, to yeah, feel yeah, clean yeah, yeah no, 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 no at all it's like you feel dirty if you Grass, you know, it's. I love the, I love great. the, I love the clip of I don't know who it was, but the the guy you have on the record talking about, you know, oh this is terrible, this is WC music. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it was like a caretaker of the studio. Right. Okay. Uh, he he was the. I think he like the bathrooms in the studio and Alex uh, and he was from the UK you know he was from somewhere from around here I don't know like, yeah but Alex is from UK from Nottingham and so Alex <laughs> followed him around and got him to come in the studio and play him the, the stuff and what do you think of this <laughs> and the guy absolutely hated it, it was and so it was it, yeah we had sense of humor like making fun of ourselves you know it's, yeah yeah you absolutely. have to you have to you know it's like otherwise there's no point you know you have to you have to to make fun of yourself you have to take a piece of yourself yeah you can't be so serious all the time well I, I i was um i was thinking that's that's i think that's kind of kind of a, a quite a unique thing about metal as well is that is that from the outside it might it might look deadly serious but you know bands like spinal tap and bad news and stuff over the years have, have been embraced by the metal community despite yeah. the fact that they are directly taking taking the piss out of uh, everyone has a sense of humor you know i think you have to you know i mean it's like um of course there's a there's there's a time to be serious and there's like some records are completely like you full on on it you know yeah uh, but like nail bomb was it was such a uh, 
fuck everything kind of record. It was like, we hate everything. You know, we're not racist, we hate everything. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that kind of state of mind. And, and uh, so we just kind of like, found all the targets that we wanted to talk crap about it and make songs out of it and then we had a brilliant cover with the Vietnamese girl with the yeah. gun in her head awesome. which is like a friend of mine uh, it's this Italian guy uh, he's actually the guy that punched Danzig you know in America Danny um, his dad is hardcore Sicilian mafia Italian made him take the poster off his wall like I don't care about your devil stuff and, and your punk stuff but that's too much <laughs> and when he told me that I was so glad I was like yeah that's nailball man yeah that's, yeah absolutely it's, yeah. It's, it provokes, it's too hardcore for the it mafia provokes the mafia guy <laughs> makes a mafia guy mad that's we're doing something right yeah yeah that's a victory right there definitely um, so you've got um, obviously you've got Soulfly coming up um, yeah. and, and you're doing this when um, with Cavalier is that do you exclusively write with with Igor during that is it, or will you go in with a kind of like a bed of riffs and 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 he'll feedback or do you or do you just kind of like or do you jam together how does that we don't jam as much as we should have we, we could have jammed more and we don't have too much time um, always again time is always time constraints being, yeah. label saying it's got to be out by yeah the, record by that um, day. yeah so what I do is I write a lot of the riffs with Igor in mind I know what kind of drummer he is and I know what he can what he can do so I write a lot of riffs that I know he's gonna completely be right on it you know and, uh, and I end up sending him the riffs so he can get familiarized with it right and then we get so you hit the we ground go to the studio and make them into songs yeah and that's really was uh, I think the magic of special psychosis was that because we had um, in the studio we had time to mess around we set up a kind of a, a, a jam atmosphere uh, before recording so we could jam the songs for like an hour or two three hours yeah uh, until we felt okay this is a cool song right now so let's now let's record the drums so we did that and that's that was kind of a cool process for the work for psychosis you know for a record like psychosis um, and a lot of times a song we had we have a song called like uh, Impelment Execution that has eight trash riffs in a row. So it was like, it was fun, you know, but it was actually something that we had to sit down yeah, yeah. And, and really choose my, my best eight trash riffs and put them together. And then when it came time to sing, I separate between, I'll sing five of them and the other three will be guitar solos on top of it. That's yeah. kind of how we did this record. It was really meticulous, you know, it was, it was cool. It was like, we, we pay attention to the detail enough that is actually a record that you, you have to go back and listen to a couple of times. Yeah. You don't get a full on. Um, by listen only one time you don't get the full picture which I think is the sign of a good record is when you have to come back and keep listening and keep discovering new things yeah yeah that is a, that, that's a sign of a record that is gonna is gonna have um, uh, it's gonna stand the test of time we, we hope so you never know like records are I mean you're a musician yourself so it's it's there's it's a big mystery <laughs> oh yeah why some like this better than that and sometimes you think this is your best record and and, and sometimes you think this record 
seems kind of crappy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually yeah. thought Psychosis was gonna be a bit crappy. Uh, for some reason, I thought it's it's just gonna be uh, it's it's just death metal and trash metal together, you know, like and it, it becomes like a lot of people's favorite shit I've done in the last 20 years. You know? <laughs> it's like I don't get it, man. I, I give up trying to figure people out. You know, it's oh, like man. I just put it out there. Whatever happened to the record, it will happen to the record. Believe you know? me, it's the same in comedy as well. Yeah, I have like like new trying out new material, and you think you think right, this stuff is this stuff works. This is going to really work. This stuff I'm really not sure about, but I'll I'll try it anyway. The stuff I thought works, nothing. Yeah. The stuff you think you know that, that you think oh I don't know. you try it and and people are you just, well I don't know I I I just don't know you know it's yeah 20 years and what I've learned is that I know nothing <laughs> that people will decide yeah you know you know what what they really want to attach yeah. to and I have like personal records I made that um, regardless if, if a lot of people like them or, or or don't I was very satisfied with it you know so that's that's the other thing that sometimes you gotta look like that like maybe not if not everybody liked it but did you like it you yeah. know like Can in you a personal level yeah, in a personal level are you satisfied and the Killer BQ record was like that I was extremely happy with that record that's it was, it was record. fun that's a great uh, record working with, with great mates and uh, it was so talented guys and we just every day a new song we just just like magic being done you know it was like completely mind-blowing man you know it was cool as hell that how that project came about and uh, it's too bad that that everybody's always touring it's real hard to get us together to do more stuff we did yeah. one Australian tour it was it was awesome it was killer um, of all the places to it. tour always, it's like you made sure it was like Australia you know, the end yeah. of the world yeah, we, we, we toured there and then uh, not the rest of the world but yeah, eventually we'll get we'll get together and make a, a second record. We were playing we were playing that record on our bus last week. Okay. And, and it's like one of the few things you know what it's like when you're trying to play something and there's, there's always going to be someone saying, "Oh, girl, what's this? Oh, do I have to listen to?" It? And it's, it was just one of the few things where everyone went, "Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, we can listen to this." You know. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the records that I was really um, happy with it. You know. Uh, I think the people that like it really like it. Um, I think the label maybe expected to get the, the record would be a little bit bigger than it was. I don't know. I mean, um, I think it was cool for a project. You know, it was it, it was a, a true project side collaboration. You know, it's not a real band, and I would never treat it like a real band. You know, but uh, it was fun to make, and I look forward to make another one of those. You know, well, that'd be awesome. Well, look, I've got a few questions to ask you from my subscribers um, uh, now, but for now, thank you very much. I'm going to finish the main podcast there. And there you go. What a top man. I know I, 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 I've said this before about people, but honestly, Max, I could have sat and talked to him for hours. And he was, as you heard there, he was just so easygoing, so easy to chat to, um, absolutely open, talking about anything, you know, you you don't have to, oh, am I allowed to bring up Sepultura? And it's like, you know, we just diving into all that nail bomb shit. And I, I was amazed how much how we dodged about and how much we talked about in such a short period of time. Um, it was just, yeah, it was phenomenal. And then uh, and I did a bit more of Patreon as well where um, people got to ask their questions, which is cool. Um, and it just, 
I really, really wished I had more time with him because he's just the dude with the stories, man. It was just so much fun. Um, and what happened afterwards? And I know I, like, th- th- this has happened a couple of times on the podcast, but this is what happened afterwards. What happened afterwards? S- switched everything off and he goes, he goes um, so you got any, um, I, I, don't, I can't do the way you need to you got any, <laughs> you got any dates with uh, Acid Rain? I was like, that's terrible, isn't it? He sounds fucking German. Um, <laughs> it's fucking, <laughs> it's Max, it's Max. Hello, I'm Max from Sepultura. What would you like to know about the band? <laughs> Um, no way am I getting him on an album now. Um, so I um, so yeah, I um, I'm not going to do the accent because that is, that's a fucking that's a fail right there, dude. Um, so I um, uh, he said like, oh, you know, so you got any more shows planned with Acid Rain? I said no, we've just played a, played a few shows uh, for Christmas. I said well, it's it's working on an album now, and he goes. You know what? I think I remember you guys. And I was like, oh, typical. I ain't fucking recording this. Has really? He goes, yeah, yeah. You were like hardcore thrash, weren't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, and I said, well, this is the logo. And I opened my sweatshirt because I had an acid rain t-shirt on, obviously. Repping the brand, repping the band, repping the brand, repping the band, repping the brand, repping the band. So I just pulled my, pulled my shirt up and goes, yeah, that, there's the logo. And he goes, yeah, that's you guys. I remember you. And I was like, oh, cool. And he comes over and I go to shake his hand. He pulls me in, gives me a big bro hug and goes, nice to meet you, brother. And I was like, oh, my fucking word. What? Say what? It was just fucking wow. Just one of those moments where you go, oh, wow. That really just actually happened. I just I came off the bus and Jody was already outside. I came off the bus and goes, "Did you hear that? Did you hear that?" And she was like, "No, what?" I was like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" No one heard it. I didn't record it. It didn't happen. It did. I was there. It happened. It was fucking awesome. And for some reason, I keep getting a question asked: What do Max's um, uh, dreads smell like? That's a question that came up a lot when I announced this had happened on uh, on social media. So, in case you're wondering, he smelled absolutely divine. He really did. And if I'd had a chance, I would have asked what scent it was. So anyway, there you go, you fucking weirdos. Um, yeah, uh, just fucking awesome. That was awesome. Right, okay. Um, what else do I want to talk to you about? Right, check this out, okay. People were giving um, a perfect circle and tool shit for throwing people out of gigs. Check this little um, uh, disclaimer that I found on someone's tickets. No mobile phones, cameras or recording devices will be allowed at the Total Blackout Tour. Upon arrival, uh, all phones and smartwatches will be secured in in a yonder pouch that will be unlocked at the end of the show. Guests maintain possession of their phones throughout the night and if needed may access their phones at at designated yonder unlocking stations in the lobby. Anyone caught with a mobile phone in the venue will be immediately ejected. We appreciate your cooperation cooperation in creating a phone-free viewing experience or as it's otherwise known somebody not wanting their shit to be ripped off and put on youtube before they're home that is if you buy tickets to see chris rock there you go line in the sand that is a comedian saying i do not want this shit posting on youtube so people can watch it and not come and see me on tour and you know what fair play fine i'm totally I'm, I'm totally on board with that it, it it has to be done. It has to be done. Admittedly, I don't think that would go down too well with the metal crowd. Um, but it's comedy. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a different audience. It's a different... And, and that is somebody of Chris Rock size. 
looking to protect his, uh, you know, his, his working environment, looking to protect his market. I hate the word. I hate the word, but it is relevant. Looking to protect his market. And, and I do understand that um, because with a comedian, it's not like, you know, oh, well, you know, OK, so I've, I've heard the jokes, but I'm going to go and see the stage show. There isn't. It's going to be him telling the jokes again. And, you know, as a fellow comedian, I, I, I you know, I, all I can say is fair play to him. Fair fucks. If you get to that level where you can where you can actually say, "Rut, this, I'm putting down these rules and you motherfuckers can like it or not. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I mean, you know, it's not the it's not the arrogance of an, let's say, Oz Fox fucking twat. But um, yeah, it's 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 not arrogance, really. It's just it's, it's a business move and it had to be done. So what else is going on? Um, Dan from Yes, You Remember Them, that band, 13, going to be playing some of the new album towards the end of the podcast, folks. Yes, that's right. It's going to be back to the days if there's going to be some music on the podcast. And it's music that's not even available yet. It's off the new 13 album. Um, and it is released on, I haven't actually, there is, um, uh, album launch is the pa- uh, uh, the album launch of The Patient Man, which is the name of the album, is at O'Reilly's in Hull on Saturday the 3rd of March. That's O'Reilly's in Hull on Saturday the 3rd of March, if you get a chance. Going to be playing a track um, uh, later on. Going to be uh, playing a track. There's also going to be more on the Patreon section of the podcast as well for subscribers. So that's really cool. I don't know if I mentioned patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. $5 a month or £3.70 in real money. You get videos, you get downloads, you get extra podcasts. You do get a lot of shit. Seriously, it is worth doing. I mean, if I was bullshitting you... I, w- I wouldn't say, would I? I would no. Okay, look, honestly, hopefully you know me well enough by now to know that it is actually worth doing. There is some really cool stuff on there. And uh, I might even get a Patreon <laughs> subscriber to come on and and convince you all and say, no, actually, it's all right. Also, if you do sign up, get the Patreon app because it, ba- it's be- it, it, it basically there's a whole other social network going on there, which is really cool, which is, you know, other really, you know, other extra bollockers and people who are really into acid rain meeting up with each other and chatting and stuff and people throwing in questions for interviews coming up is really cool. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do this. Okay, I, I know you've had enough advert end there. But 13 are releasing an album, The Patient Man. That comes, the, the album launches at O'Reilly's in Hull, Saturday, 3rd of March. I haven't got release details of the album yet. Um, I'm sure there, I'm sure there is one, but um, I, I think they. I'm not sure if they're still in discussions as to, um, as to you know how to release it or who to release it with or whatever. So there's all of that to come. So what it comes now is the culmination, like it was with Max, of two years hard work. But unlike Max, I had given up on doing an interview with Fish. Um, I was told it was, you know, that it, I could submit, I could submit question, written questions, but, you know, forget it. And if it wasn't for my friend, and just as I was talking there, the uh, cable fell out the back of the mic. Sorry. So my friend Matt Denny um, uh, sent me an email and said, uh, try and get an interview for London. And um, and that's when I sent the interview, uh, sent it off. And I've told you all the stories that that that. The, uh, the preamble eventually so last time I spoke to you it was the day of the gig and I was going to go to the gig that night well I'm going to play you the interview and then I'll tell you what happened at the gig that night but um, I need to apologise for some background noise here they're, they're, we're in a restaurant um, Fish 
joins the spirit of the interview at one point. Um, so you will hear food being ordered. Um, more annoyingly, there is a coffee machine in the background, which is really harsh. And I've, I've tried to even just go in and lose the frequencies, but there's nothing I could do. So my apologies. Um, uh, but it, it's by no means like unlistable. It's, it's cool. There's just a couple of points where it will be a bit annoying. So I'm sorry about that. Clip mics, etc. So anyway... Here is myself and Fish in the Hilton, in the uh, in the the restaurant in the Hilton Hotel in Islington, back in December. Um, I've just driven down from Burnley. Um, oh, what? Yeah, I was doing a spoken word show last night um, because I um, I sing in a uh, thrash metal band, which right. I started when I was fifteen, and um, we got signed, did a few albums. And then split. I spent 20 years as a stand-up, which I still do. Oh wow! Um, and then um, two years ago, tried to get the band back together. Everybody fell apart. So what I got band to is it? Um, called uh, Acid Rain, um, yeah. UK thrash band with a sense of humour. Um, and um, full disclosure, um, uh, without you, pretty much none of that would have been possible. Yeah. My first ever gig was um, Fugazi Tour, Leeds University, 1984. Wow. And, um, yeah, the thrash metal, the link, yeah, you wouldn't have thought. Um, But I've pretty much been ripping you off ever since. Um, um, uh, Had a great great experience at the Leeds show. So um, my mum agreed to cancel me going on a French trip with the school. Um, and came to the Sheffield City Hall show, yeah. which was great because I got to see the two sides of the of the show. I got yeah. to see the sweaty club show, and then got to see the big, you know, the big um, uh, dramatic show with the stage set and everything. Yeah. And um, uh, we yeah, we had a gig the other night. I wasn't. No, I live down here now. All right. Uh, so I drove up to Burnley for the spoken word show, and uh, and then and then came back because I got an email Thursday morning saying. Yes, you can have an interview. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting on it for quite a while. Um, so thank you. Full yeah. disclosure up front. Um, yeah. Thank you for all of that. Um, the podcast is called Talking Bollocks. Um, and it's for the website All About The Rock. Um, and uh, we have a very kind of mixed sort of listenership. Um, and um, this was a chance to obviously sit down with you for uh, the first time. Uh, and just... What I was really keen to find out was obviously there were plans to be, you know, have a new album out and, and tour. Obviously, that's kind of gone back and it's now looking like a double, I yeah. believe. Um, and you were saying you were looking, there's a possibility you're looking at crowdfunding now. Is that. I, I don't think I need to do it, to be honest. I think I can manage to. The problem with doing all these crowdfunding things is you're, you're dealing with percentages and everything. You know? Yeah, and it's um, you know you, you know, it's some people take ten, fifteen percent of what you're bringing in, plus they're taking a big hit on the credit cards. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's interesting for them. But I mean, in all honesty, I think I've got the, the means. I think I've got the means to actually support them myself. You know, right. And if not, you know, take a bank over the left. You know. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, we can do. It. I mean, I'm really lucky that I've got a, a very loyal fan base and. Who are still there in numbers, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, you know, like the last album, Feast the Consequences album, it was uh, you know, we funded, I funded all that myself. So it was like, 
but there's, but there's a joy to that independence as well, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. I like it. You know, I've been writing up the sleeve notes for the remasters, and it's been interesting because the last two we put out our songs for the mirror and suits, and that was the period where um, I kind of was jetsoned by Polydor, and then, you know, it was like, well, what did I do then? And it was at the time when, you know, I'd, I'd gone through a whole legal kind of conflict with EMI, you know, as well. Joy. And, you know, so I was kind of persona non grata. I was, I was pretty angry at the, the kind of regular industry as a whole. Yeah. And um, I struck out my own, but I mean, I think the first mistake I made with Dick Brothers was I think I was a bit um, too ambitious, you know, and that, you know, I made the mistake uh, before we really got the company, before I really got the company running and up, up, set up properly, you know, I, I took on two other acts I shouldn't have done and they just ended up being sinkholes, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it, back then with the Dick Brothers idea, I think if I'd kept it, just me, and then and, and ran it, you know, just as my own thing. <coughs> Built it as a company and then... Just for me. Yeah. And that's how I do it now. I mean, you know, it's the chocolate frog record company, but I'm the only artist, you know. <laughs> and it's yeah. and it works, you know. I mean, you know, we don't own the empires, you know. It's, yeah. And, you know, you know, lifestyle. Simone and my wife. Yeah, you know, my apologies, Simone. You know. I was really rude of me. I, I just sort of turned up and started jabbering. I do apologise. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, you know, we... So one of us all works in the mail order and we, we just, we got a really simple lifestyle so we don't need to sell hundreds of thousands of albums. So, yeah. uh, and then, as in the Weltschmerz, with a current kind of delay, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's like, I don't have people shouting at me going like, you know, we need it out next week. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like, just do it when it's ready. And that's the way I tend to approach albums. I mean, sometimes it takes a lot longer. We have the American so, Yes, please. Well, I'm, I'm, funnily enough, I'm in that position, I'm in that position with my band for the first time where we've released a couple of singles independently and now it's time to do an album and it's, right, okay, do we want slash need to let Yes. And I kind of don't want to give up that independence. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. give up that being in control of everything. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. it depends. I mean, you know, I use social media a lot. I mean, you know, Facebook's been a very important tool for, you know, for what I do. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, you know, but, but that and, and now having a website that's a lot more, the words used by the designer is it's a lot more sticky. Right, <laughs> right yeah, yeah. You know? I'm familiar with that, yeah. So it's, um, so we're having that, you know, and, and then putting the remasters out so we're able, you know, in the next two, three years, you know, when I decide to kind of call it a day, you know, then, you know, I've got I've got the catalogue there, you know, it's there and, and, and it's all there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, the and format, it's yours. The format, yeah. 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 And it always, I mean, it's still, it still niggles me that, you know, my first solo album is still owned by EMI and they will not sell the copyright, you know, and that's it. So it's, it's a real kind of, a real thorn, you know, because it's, yeah. it makes, you know, I mean, it means that next year when I go for the visual remaster, I've got to do all this negotiation with Warner Brothers, right? Yeah. And, you know, they just don't think like I do. It's, you know, you would be negotiating, and then we go, well, they go, well, when's it coming out? And I said, well, I don't know. So that will be sometime next year. And they keep on getting in touch with me every couple months, so any news on what's happening with this album. <laughs> it's like, well, I'll let you know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I mean, you know, hopefully Vigilant Internal will be out in kind of April next year. And again, that's all part of the the, the funding process, you know, because yeah. yeah. when I put Vigilant, 
individual and internal out, then hopefully they'll sell in enough numbers to back up the recording of Elchmills, so I don't have to go to crowdfunding. Yeah. But, you know, I'm privileged, you know, that I'm able to do that, you know. Well, privileged slash putting a lot of work over the years. You know, it's um, uh, it, it, you know you're in a you're you're in the position of your own making. Mm. You know, um, uh, and I mean I do mean that as a compliment. Um, yeah, yeah but, I mean it's, it's they, been really tough. I mean there's, yeah. been, there's been moments. You know, I think you know, with Dick Brothers. I mean, when we got into the end, uh, you know, I was too ambitious with the touring, and I was trying to. I was trying to build, but the foundation wasn't there. Yeah. And, you know, I was going out on tours that were losing money, that were never-ending, whereas if I'd probably kept them a bit more concise and concentrated in areas rather than thinking that I was going to get a chance to build out into places, you know? Yeah. And uh, I took a lot of gambles, a lot of risks, and, and it ended up with the collapse of Dick Brothers and, uh, you know, just before the, the, the well, it was about 1996, 7th, it was. And then I tried going back to I tried going back to a more um, you know, I signed where the first one was Roadrunner and then the Snapper. But I mean most of those both those deals, I mean particularly the Snapper deal was because I was in financial dire straits that I needed a massive injection. Yeah. And it was um and I took it but it, it didn't solve the problem. And then I ended up coming out and realizing after the, the kind of Snapper deal especially that, you know, I've got a fan base there, let's work the fan base. Yeah. Because that was all they were doing. They were yeah. just doing exactly what I was doing and you know, I mean and this is the thing nowadays. I mean And social media enables you to yeah, reach yeah. those people directly yeah. and just and communicate sidestep the label and take the middleman out. Yeah, I mean I think that's kind of what I am now. I'm an assassin of middlemen, you know. I mean even with, the, with you know the current tour and stuff, you know, we just strip it all down. I mean we just yeah, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the gigs that we do, you know, um, you know, we don't go out with, you know, expensive trucks and expensive lights and things like that, because it's not, yeah. we don't need it for these venues. It's, yeah. um, it'd be lovely to have, but, you know. If but, I, but I think there's definitely, I mean, I talk to a lot of bands doing this and being on the road myself, and I talk to a lot of bands who say, it's we're, we're all, we, we, we've come full circle, we're now all showing off at how little we can get away with. Mm. You know, it's like once upon a time, it was, you know, look at the size of the show. I think if you've got a front man, I think if you've got a front man that, that knows how to deal with people that can front a show, it does help, you know. Yeah. So, um, and I know my craft well. Um, but it's, as I said, you know, I, I, it's, we don't have a big company, it's, it's Simona, myself, and Elsworth in the office, and that's it, you know? Yeah. And we run everything, we've got suppliers that we trust, we know they, they're great people to deal with, they know what I need, they know kind of the quality. I've got Mark Wilkinson, who works as my, my artist and sleeve designer, you know, things like that. So, you know, we've got a, a little team, and it works, you know? Yeah. So, so, well, it's, it, it's, a, it's a cottage industry. I mean, I don't know, I mean, I, you know, if I was signed to a major, you know, I, 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 I mean, it wouldn't work. It just wouldn't work. I wouldn't make the money. The major wouldn't make the money. You know, and you know, I'd end up 
you know, chasing my tail and things. But st- it still frightens me, despite all of the changes in technology, um, how some labels attitudes still haven't changed yeah it's it's still all about um protectionism mm. you know like emi we own this copyright we're going to keep it forever yeah we know it's going to you change a job if they gave if they just let you do, do it yourself yeah i mean you don't i mean i've had what a thing with the emi recently you know and they did the misplaced child thing as the first of like the big remasters. It was a deal that was done between Merillion and EMI, which you know, to be honest, I made more money selling the albums through our mail order operation <laughs> right, than yeah. I did through the royalties of the publishing. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, they, we we put this big deluxe set together, and they put it out, and it was all. You know, just the setup was, it, it, it kind of jolted me. Because it was like, you know, this is the release date, you're not allowed to say this, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to mention this, da da da, this is the way it works, da da da. And I found I got quite uncomfortable dealing with that. And then they put the deluxe out, and then after, what was it, two months? It's like, well, that's it. You know, we're not making it anymore. You know? And yeah. you kind of go, well. And the, the way I was liking it, too, and it's, it's, it's kind of. One of my favourite kind of metaphors for the industry and, and the independent against the major. The majors are like those guys in the Wild West that get on a train that goes across the prairies and then they see a buffalo herd and then they just shoot the, the buffaloes and, you know, they'll shoot hundreds of them, you know, and they'll take the hides off them and then leave the rest of the stuff to rot. Whereas the independents are more like the Sioux Indian and they follow the buffalo herds, right? And they'll take one out at a time. And when they take one out, then what they do is yeah. Sorry, yes, need to. Hello. I was shooting. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm doing an interview. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, um, but you know, you take they it one book. One book. Yeah, that's exactly. Normal. That's exactly it. Before we were interrupted. <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you use every part of the animal, and you you, you treat them with respect, and then you know, and that's how you live. Yeah. You know, and it's and that is the difference between the, the, the majors. You know, they they kind of there's a big fireworks explosion of promotion, and then it's like the album comes out, and it's bam 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 bam, bam and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and then they move and then they move on. Yeah. You know. I mean, when I was with Polydor, I mean, Eternal Exile came out in the October, and in January, they were turning around and saying, well, when's the next album coming out? And I'm going, well, I've just spent a year and a half writing this, yeah. you know? And we've just been on the road for two, three months, and we should, we should be doing a lot more. We should be doing, you know, follow the herd, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what you do as independent. I mean, you know, you can't afford to, to start buying pages in, in, in big, glossy magazines, you know? And it's better to work, you know, local newspapers and small outlets I mean the internet's been a blessing in that and that you know there are people like yourself you know and that you know as long as you, you do have to be careful because you could spend weeks doing interviews on small insignificant websites uh, you know <laughs> yeah and it's you know you you got to try and balance it I mean I try, I try and do it, do it. It's like, you know okay well it's on my website so when I put an album out I will do an interview and I will have the interview and that's the FAQ you know it's like you know 
don't come along and ask all the questions that are all there on the website. Yeah. We're wasting each other's time. Yes. You know? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So it's um as I said, it's following there and and and, 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 and being keen in the way that, that you, you approach promotion and yes. you know the, the way that you deal with it. And well it's it's funny because I, I my another thing I'll say as well, I think it's important to respect your fan base. Oh massive. You know? Because you know, if you start putting overpriced product out, or you know, if you're just putting a bit of plastic out every 18 months, then you need to question yourself. Yes. You've got to have an integral quality control. You've got to be able to self-edit, and um, like I said, you've got to treat them with respect and not abuse them. Because I mean, some of them, there are there are some people that will they use their fan bases basically as cash cows, you know, and. Those bands trip up eventually, you know, because you know you might get away with two releases, you get into your third one, and then suddenly it's like you know the fan base isn't there yeah. because they've gone well, we trusted you twice, yeah. and you let us yeah. down. Yeah. You know? Well, also with social media, um, I think it's important um, that you have that you have a tone of voice that you that you don't just you don't just share. Oh, here's a new T-shirt, here's mm. a new CD, here's this, here's you know, it, because that. Just, that's not engaging with people, and well, they don't want to. Just well, we had a we had a well, we had an interesting thing on, on the way it's t-shirt designs, and which are great, by the way. Yeah, really but, but those shirts were like, you know, when we put the first designs out, you know, we put, we did the mock-ups, yeah, and people came out and said, don't like that. They didn't like this, they didn't like that, and we changed it, and we listened to what they wanted. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you listen to what colours they want and things like that. Hence you know. the cyan shirt. Yeah, which is beautiful. Uh, but I mean, that's what we did. You know, you listen to what they want. You know, it's like, what do you want to wear? This one say, well, just because it's got your name in it, that somebody's going to wear. You want something that somebody's going to want to wear on a regular basis. You know, it's just clever. Yeah. It's not be cynical. Yeah. But it's, it's but it's no, it's knowing your fan base. Yeah. I mean, 25 years ago, being in the thrash metal band, we we we, we commissioned the yellow T-shirt, and and the everybody told us not to do it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to sell it. Sold out. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we. No, you know, you know who who are just who are. Yeah, and I had the tomato. But you could. We know if, who if, our if, fan base. Yeah, that's really important, as you say. Um, but it's funny working, having been in stand-up twenty years. It's funny how that for me. It's funny how that for me is now informed one child. I think my colleague is too. Mistake. I can tell the soup, the tomatoes. No, I don't. I, I take this. Like this a... is the ordering of the soup sketch. <laughs> Chicken chowder, yeah. no tomato. Yeah. Oh. So if I'm speaking, that means fish is eating. Um, I, um, yeah, 20 years of sound, kind of, that sort of informed when I brought the band back. Having spent 20 years just grafting, grinding, doing my own thing, being in charge of everything. That then it was it made incredible sense to sort of bring that you know that that sort of work ethic into music as well yeah um, because in company no one's going to do it for you because there's not the money in it unless you're the top half a percent mm-hmm. speaking of which um, about God, must be about 20 years ago Will Smith the comedian yeah a friend of mine we he used to work he's a friend of yours yes I've known him since he was at the gig last night oh really yeah. oh 
I'm saying for it's, a long time. He was, at my, he was at our wedding a couple months back. Oh man, he's such a what a lovely guy. Yeah. And um, well, I, I met up with him about 20 years ago. He used to work in HMV in Islington. Is that right? Just, yeah, just down the street. And I met up with him. I tell um, you what, Will's coming to the gig tomorrow, right? Oh, you, oh. Do you want to come? Where is it? Islington. Oh, the second night. Third night. Oh my God. Um, that'd be awesome. He's That'd definitely awesome. coming on, the, on the, the Sunday. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, if I could. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Well, give us your name and a bit of paper, and I'll give it to McKinney, my production manager, and I'll put it on. And I'll leave a pass for you so you can see me up with Will. Oh, and I'll, and I'll, awesome. let, I'll let Will know. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, Will, I thought was. I mean, I, I toyed with the idea of going in to stand up at some point, and I, kinda, I, I did a kind of halfway house thing. It was one to one of the tours we did, which was still one of my favourite tours. And it was the one I did after my second vocal operation when I went out with the Fishheads Club tour. It was just, we called it the Fishheads Club, an idea. We had an idea at the time. It was like we were going to go out and pick up musicians in different towns and cities and do that. But we ended up being just a, a guitarist, a keyboard player, and me, production manager who was just selling merchandise, and a, and a sound engineer that we travelled a bit in a van. We did about 170 shows over two years. Wow. And it was fucking great. Just and, like, it was, yeah. and it became, we were doing some techniques, we were doing two and a half hours. And like getting and carried it, away. Yeah, because we were we just started playing songs. We went out with a set list of about maybe fifteen songs. And by the time we finished that set list was something like we'd, or the, the options for set list took in about thirty five to forty songs. But on every night that was just say we were doing two hours a night, there'd be a half an hour of that to forty minutes of that would be basically stand up. Check. Just just yeah. C- communicating with the crowd. Just what happened today it make us gag up about it so uh, this is the story of the song and doing yeah. that and it was it was brilliant and I really liked it and the great thing is we got actually got to see places because we were like the sound check's only 2.30 minutes and we, because we were driving in a van we were stopping uh, stopping for lunch in places and stuff and it was just so relaxed and so chill out staying in hotels playing weird venues I mean you know we, we played everything from like you know churches to kind of small town halls to we even played a coal mine in Poland. Right? In a coal mine. It's fantastic. But that, but that kind of that is that is a that is a um, that's a very that's part of stand-up. I mean, if I'm if I'm going to play a show, it's you know if I'm listening to music or whatever, that will I'll, I'll shut that off at least half an hour, an hour mm. out out from where I am because I've got to be alert. I've got to take in you know are there is there a windmill on the you know on the main road into this town? Mm. You know is there whatever because you've got you've got to pick up on all of that stuff because sometimes even just commenting on the fact that you've noticed it people it, 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 that connects you to the audience yeah, exactly. people go oh right you've not just turned up to just bash the songs out and leave again mm. actually you know oh wow you, you're actually here you know mm. you're in the moment we're not just another gig and I think it makes all the difference to an audience but, but in stand up that's the key you've got a, you know you've got a minute and a half up front where you have to connect with that audience and that's that's once you've got that that's your permission to do your material mm. I did a slip last day I did a gag and it was uh, so we're, you know, we're driving in and said it was great we've seen you know, all the railings all these Christmas trees hanging on them and I said it's, it's great that the things moved on I said a couple of hundred years ago they'd be Jacobites you know yeah. fresh, it said fresh from the highlands <laughs> and, it was, uh, and it was like that you just you, once you get into that yeah you know uh, you know you know I remember why Billy Conley and 
the master watching stories him, watching him, yeah watching him develop routines yeah you know I mean uh, you know we just take he could he could go into something where he's got, he's got his set his set point marks on the set but he can go off at any point and just go off at tangential curves yeah and you know he'd follow his own humour you know his own observations I, I, that's something that had a big influence on me you know yeah yeah was, uh, because I mean as I said I mean the, the great thing with the Fishers thing it gave me an opportunity to balance off the storytelling which I like doing with the singing yeah and it was also a lot easier because as I said I was coming back from a vocal vocal operation so there was like um, I didn't want to, to push the voice too hard yeah so I wasn't fighting over an electric band you know I was, I was sitting there in the middle of you know basically two acoustic instruments yeah. so there's you could play and extrapolate and you know do whatever you wanted well like the spoken word show I did last night was my first because that's something that I, that I want to explore because it's kind of a halfway house between the music and and the stand-up the spoken word takes the pressure of comedy away mm -hmm. so people know they're not going to be coming home it's not going to be gag 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 yeah. ha, ha, ha. but they're going to find out more about you know the 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 industry side of the band stories from on the road from 20 years ago that you know are, you know funny crazy stupid because i was young yeah. you know and 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 it's a real it's, it's a different experience but um people people really engage with that kind of thing because you're talking about a life that they they're never likely to, you know they're never likely to experience and you're talking about it from a you know from from the from the inside looking out mm. and hearing about all of the, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes I think that's eventually well, that's eventually where I'm going to go I mean I think you know I've got the Veltrans album and then after that I, I think I'm probably I'm, I'm not planning to do any more albums after that yeah, you know I mean yeah, Veltrans yeah. I'm struggling with you know you're trying to find something new trying to find something original you know you're working in an industry where all the best hook lines have already gone all the best melodies have already gone you know you're always standard you know somebody's always going to go oh, that sounds a bit like McCartney or that sounds a bit like Barry or that sounds a bit like you know such and such and so and so and it's hard to be original in, in the context of writing and creating yeah in yeah. the genre of music right yeah but also, so, but also I mean, so that's why I want to yeah and it's, that's why you know I think Veltschmerz have got a chance to, to really explore over this album yeah. really explore a lot of different things you know which yeah. again is why it's so complicated it's very it's very difficult to explain over kind of short interview but yeah, sure. it's um, you know the, the things after that after Veltschmerz you know as I said I love the soul catalogue there it's all in a format that I'm quite happy with so that is there for anybody to discover but you know I think future touring, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd probably go back to the acoustic things and just go out when I want and go out for go out for 20 shows or whatever you know, in a year yeah. and, and keep it to that so that it's still fun. I'm not putting all that pressure. I mean, I'm 59, I'm going to be 60 next April. <clears throat> you know, I'd like to spend more time with my wife. I'd like to spend more time in the garden. And now there's other things that interest me. There's an, there's an autobiography. Excuse me. <clears throat> there's an autobiography that's been you know sitting there on, on a back burner for like you know years and years and years and I want to get into that I'd love to write screenplays I'd love to kind of I'd, I'd love you know Will Smith's been trying to push me into you know getting involved in writing screenplays and and, and 
screenwriting in general. Yeah. And that's what I'd love to do, and I could see that working. And then, as you said, I mean, doing something along the lines of, you know, a spoken word tour where you just go out and take the book. You know? I mean, a lot of people, I mean, hey, we saw Bruce Dickinson doing it. You know, well, it's, well, it's either, it, it, it's also, it, you, can, you, can, you can do one without the other. You know, you can, you can, do, a, you can do a spoken word tour. Mm. And, and from that comes the, comes the, like, the inspirations and the stories to actually write, okay, um, I can sit down and nail, and nail that book. Well, again, or vice versa. Well, again, you know, it's, 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 it's well, like a lot of stand-up comedians, you know, they'll go out and take a show out and they will build the material over the two-month period and then film it at the end. Yeah. And by that time, they know all the material that works, they know, they know what's the funniest bits and it becomes a best of, you know. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I could see that working, but I mean, I don't, I've got no desire to, you know, I don't really want to be famous as such, you know, I don't want to court, you know, yeah. the media and stuff, it's, you know, I mean, it's... Been there, done that, I mean, and, and as you've said, you know, that you have a, you have a, a very simple life which you're, which you're in charge of, you're at your own boss, Yeah. you don't have to do anything that, that, that you don't want to. Exactly. Um, and, um, I mean, I, I find the idea of, um, uh, of you doing more screenwriting is, is fascinating because you've always been as much a writer as a as, as, as a as a performer. Well, the bottom line is, you know, I'm not a singer that can write lyrics. I'm a writer that can sing. And that's the difference, and it's a, it's a very profound difference. Well, you know? dare, dare I say, um, yeah, I'm very much that myself. It was it, it, it's 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 actually getting the getting the words down and getting that getting that out of me, mm. if you like, which is for me that that's more enjoyable than going in the studio and trying to hit a bunch of notes, mm -hmm. which I find quite draining and not a particularly pleasant experience. It's great when it when it's going well and you're creating, yeah. but when you're not, it's incredibly frustrating yeah. and stressful. How about that when, with the albums? When we start writing the albums, I just find. The initial sessions are just, I mean, it's pulling teeth, you know, and then, then you hit the vein, and then it's great, and then you, you know, you get the bulk of it done, and then you've got the next part trying to finish the damn thing off. And it's know? back to pulling teeth again. And then it's, you know, then you go out in the road and work, you know, I kind of, you know, I've been doing it for a long time now, and I'm, I'm getting a bit bored with it, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking, I mean, I hate this, you know, I'm, I, you know, it's Christmas in two weeks or whatever it is, I don't even remember, it's, you know, and I'd rather be at home, yeah. you know, I'd rather be home doing other things, you know, yeah. like designing the next green, designing the next greenhouse and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And that's what I like. I, mean, I hate travelling and I really don't like travelling. I mean, we were talking today about what I was going to do after the, the Newcastle gig, you know. And, you, know I just, you know, I just like to get home. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I've got the Glasgow show and it's like, well, could I get a train, da da da, and it's like, and I'm sitting there going like, we've got a five hour van journey to, to, to Newcastle from Cambridge and, you know, when I was 25, it would be nine. You know, when that was yeah. nine, you'd, you'd find a way to entertain yourself or knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah. But now it's just tedious. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, th I think the travelling more than anything, I mean, it's a cliche. I mean, you know, the tours and stage are fantastic, but it's everything that goes around it that just wears you down. Yes. You know? Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, it's like yesterday, it was like, 
you know, I watched the, the, the French band Lazuli. A great wee band. And they were supposed to be playing last night. And the guy that came across from France, singer, after two nights, he's like, go ahead with something. It's serious. It's, and he just lost his voice completely. Oh, and there's that fear as well, yeah. you know? Yeah. And the older you get, the more susceptible you are to getting hit by viruses. And, you know, when you start blowing out dates and replacing dates, that is just, oh, that, that's agonizing. You know, and I was watching that band yesterday, you know, and they're all standing outside the venue and the singer's down, everybody else is standing there looking and like, you know, you can't, you can, there's no point in shouting at anybody. It was just, you know, yeah. you know, we've just been taken out of here. We've just been completely here. And you, I really felt for them, you know? And I, you know, I know I've, I've been in that position myself where it's like, I mean, I've, I've had crew load into gigs. I mean, I've, I've, I've actually had a case of viral laryngitis where, I did the sound check, right? And that happened to me on two or three occasions actually in my career. And I did the sound check, and between the sound check and the gig, my voice went. Wow. Just went. Right. You know? And, you know, I remember one in Manchester in about 2008, I think it was. And I went to production office, so I said, I'm a gig, can I do it? And he's going, look, what do you mean? And they thought I was taking a piss. I said, I'm not joking. I said, it's gone. Right? And I had to go and sit in the bus that night were a thousand fans right, already kind of in the venue right? yeah. and you had to sit there and you know, people are explaining to them sorry but you know Fish can't sing in it and they're going well he was alright yesterday yes you know? yeah. and as you sit on that bus and I remember it well because it was the bus driver he went and got me a curry gave me a prawn curry and I didn't only just have this whole voice within about five hours I went down with a serious bout of food poisoning <laughs> and ended up in a hotel in the middle of the Yorkshire Moors for three days in a room with nothing to do no Wi-Fi oh god it was terrible you know and that you know whereabouts was that in the middle of the Yorkshire Moors it was it was um, it's my territory it was Homefront Homefront I was in Homefront right okay you know? we were in a wee hotel in Homefront so you, you, you didn't decide to get make some stupid contraption and uh, roll down a hill Mm. Like the, yeah. <laughs> it's the right, right part of the country. Yeah, I mean, it's, but I'm saying it's like the older you get, you know, the harder it is on a physical yeah. basis to yeah. actually perform. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, I had a, a discectomy last year on my spine, and you know, I've got to have, I've got a stool on the stage nowadays because I have to take, I can't stand on my feet for two hours because it is painful and I get terrible sciatica. And uh, you know, it's like, you know, when, when you start, that starts clocking up on you then it's, you know, yeah. it's the same I think you know? well like you say well, travelling it, it's funnily enough I remember a, I remember a tour manager saying to me people people don't believe people don't believe that travelling is tiring but they they've never done travelling like bands do yeah and it's, it's not just the travelling that's tiring it's the fact that you're also operating always operating without maximum recovery without maximum solid sleep yeah. which means that you're constantly basically just ever so slightly you never get the big deep, deep theatre you know and it's I mean even I mean even we stay in hotels I mean you know you come back off a gig at 11 11, 12 o'clock in the hotel you won't be in sleep till, till 1 yeah. Um, well, you know, yourself, I mean, it's like, 
Mm. And then you're up at 10, 11, but you never go into that into that deep seat of sleep no. where cells are recovering and, yeah. and rebuilding. You know? Or if you're really unfortunate, you just get into that sleep as the alarm goes off mm. and someone starts banging your door and you feel like absolute death. And a tour bus is like the worst. And better somewhere you can travel to most shows, as you know. So, yeah. You know, the journeys are so long. And, you know, getting a, a decent sleep on a tour bus is impossible. And having a, you know, having a hotel every four days, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, nowadays I go I check in a hotel on a day off and I just, I don't go out. You know, I, you know, I don't go to museums or go and visit, you know, the local castle or go to a nightclub or whatever. It's like, you know, rest, restaurant, restaurant, normally in the hotel, and just collapse. You know, yeah. You know, because a, you, I mean, it's just like just now. I mean, this is the worst time of the year for bugs. So yeah. you know, every time you walk out, you're walking into a huge fucking petri dish. You know, without saying like I'm some paranoid boy in the bubble thing, but it's like, <laughs> you know. No, but it's um. Yeah, it's, and no amount of no amount of coats and scarves and all the rest of it. If you're going to get something, you, invariably you're going to get something. Yeah. And and it does it, it does it does kind of linger over you. I wish somebody could invent sort of like vocal cords that you could take out your throat like false teeth. I just pop them in when yeah. you need them. Put them in a glass outside of bed at night. <laughs> yeah, no. No, that would... And have a wee box of them. So, oh, that one's done. That's fucking it. Like batteries. I'd say you've got some material there. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Mm. Definitely. Do you use um, do you use vocal zone at all? Oh, yeah. I use... Well, I, Everything name, it, name, everything. It, name it, I've tried it. Right, okay. Yeah, the old, um, uh, yeah, honey and lemon, honey, lemon, tea and ginger, that's what you need. And it's like, well, there's, you may as well just have tea. Manuka honey. You know, the, 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 the tea will tan your vocal cords. Other than that, it, the rest of it is just energy. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, the last time I played, when I played the, there's LinkedIn in 2.15, you know, I was, I was in a taxi, didn't know, but we'd get steroid injections to take the swelling down. I take, ibupro- I take probably a thousand mics of ibuprofen every day you know, yeah. to take swelling down. You know. On what? On, on my cords. On your so, and my knees. So that's why, I'm, that's why I've just had a bowl of soup because I'm going to have to go upstairs and take four, a 400 mic or ibuprofen. But you know, do it, and then. But at the same time, I'll drink probably three liters of water a day. Yeah. So this kind of you are with very bit of the yin and yang of it all. Yes. You know? Yeah, it's going to fuck your liver over. But it's like as long as you're putting all that water through your system, then you know you're kind of. Well, it's, it's when when you're saying like you know you're 59 or hitting 60s and and the, the, the work that goes into performance is it, it's, you're like an athlete you don't see athletes performing yeah. you know this deep into a career mm-hmm. they, you know they're, they're they're done by their you know early 30s. I'm talking about athletes. I'm gonna have to bring this to close. Yeah, no worries. I was supposed to be sound check at five and I'm walking up the road. Right. Okay. No worries. Because the Arsenal are playing today, so it's. Like, and that's your good lady's fan. It's Liam. It's Liam. Well, um, look, thank you so much. It's been great. And yes, tomorrow night. Yeah. You need a bit of paper so you can give it yes. to McKinney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you want a plus one? Um, yeah, yeah, 
if, if, if I could. Yes, go great. Um, and yeah, if you could, um, if you could pop some uh, some passes there, that'd be awesome. I'll do that. It'd be great I'll, to I'll see until you, you come along. Yeah, yeah, no, that'd be great. That'd be great. The reason why we met up at HMV was I had a ba- I met up with him. I had a bag full of copies of the web. The old little fanzine. You know, the old the, the really one. Yeah. Wow. And I, I had, and it, cause it, for him, it was like, it was like I'd brought a bag of treasure. Because yeah. he's that bit younger than me. Mm. And it was just, this was this thing he'd heard about that no longer existed by the time he, he got, he yeah, discovered he's, he's, really. He's a mega fan. Oh. Mega fan. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah. 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 In fact, he's the one that brings me the mega fan. That's awesome. Okay. I have to go upstairs get my stuff. Yeah, I Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna nip over and get a, a, a note. Yes. Right. Thank you very much. Cool. What just fucking happened? What just happened? I'll tell you what just happened. I had fish on talking bollocks. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God! Um, uh, you have no. Well, you, you, you uh, quite a few of you, uh, all of you, know how much this means to me. Um, I mean, uh, you know, massive, massive impact on my life. Thirteen-year-old um, Howard would would be amazed at, at what happened. That interview about everything's turned out in my life, um, and I wouldn't have set out on the on the acid rain uh, road if it hadn't been for getting massively into Marillion. Um, and and learning a love of a band, um, I mean, yeah, just just absolutely amazing, a fucking amazing, I tell you. Um, I, I'm just yeah, I it just don't have words really. I really don't have words. Just took a moment there. It was it, yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. Just listening back. Um, during the interview, there were times where I was like, in the back of my, my, my head, was going, "It's fish, remember? It's fish, fucking hell, it's fish! Oh my god!" And we would, and you know, we got along really well. How is that for the worst opening line of an interview ever? I've just driven down from Burnley, <laughs> like a fucking, like a legend. And then later on, he's saying, you know, about all of the uh, all of the pain medication he's ta- he takes and everything. It's like, fuck. And there's me. Oh, I've driven down from Burnley. I'm a bit tired. Um, Mr. Fish, hello. Um, It was awesome. It was just awesome. And as you heard there, um, and I've previously told you, but you heard for yourselves there the whole Will Smith moment. I haven't seen Will for over 10 years. Um, So this is where we pick up. We pick up with um, the following day. I get to the venue. I'm on the guest list. Get my pass. I'm walking around and think, right, what do I do now? Do I go backstage? Do I just mingle around? And I'm just stood in a foyer, just wandering around, and I see Michael Legg, a fellow Marillion-loving comedian. So I'm like, oh, Michael, how are you? Oh, how are you? So we were chatting away, and he goes, um, uh, and I, he said, oh, you've got a pass. Where'd you get that? I said, oh, well, you know, I, I did an interview with Fish, and I mentioned that um, that I, I, you know. I hadn't seen Will for years, and he was coming tonight. He goes, oh, yeah, we're just waiting for him. I was like, oh, right. He's like, yeah, he got us on the guest list. Oh, great, okay. So then Will comes in, and he's like, whoa, I haven't seen him for 10 years. Whoa, big hugs, yeah. I'm like, oh, I interviewed Fish yesterday. He said, yeah, I know. He rang me as soon as you left. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. He rang me and was saying, oh, I've just been interviewed by a mate of yours, and explained, you know, Howard Smith, and that I'd taken him copies of the web to where he worked, HMV, and all that. And, 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 and I was just, this is doing my head in, because the fact is that, Fish has made a phone call to somebody and said, oh, you know, and, and mentioned me. You know, what the fuck? So anyway, um, watched the gig. Absolutely brilliant. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, 
great time. There was me, there was Michael, there was Will, and uh, Will's friend, Willie, um, from a metal band who I can't remember, and I'm going to get on the podcast, and I got in really well with him, and I feel really bad about that, but I, I, I can't remember at the moment. So anyway, the end of the gig, Will goes, should we go backstage? Like, yeah, so all four of us go backstage, and we're waiting around outside, um, and there's a few people milling around there, and then Fish comes out, says hello to a few people, then makes a beeline for Will, and he gives him a big hug, and he says, first thing he says is, did you see Howard? And Will goes, yeah, he stood right here. And Fish turns to me and he's like, stops hugging Will. And he turns and he looks at me and he looks at Will and he stands there, like, I don't know if I can describe this properly, but he stands there back with his arms out, kind of like looking at the two of us with a big smile on his face, kind of like, you know, I did this. Me, I got you guys together. And he was going, oh, that's so cool. And I was just like, yeah, right, yeah, well, you could say that. It's fucking awesome. So, I mean, Will and I have been chatting all night as well and catching up on old times. I mean, we, and um, we're all stood around and then somebody like, says something and then I just hear Fish saying, oh, I was, I was doing an interview with Howard um, yesterday. Howard, you tell the story. And I'm going, all oh, right, okay. And a little 15-year-old Howard voice in my head goes, uh, Fish just passed you an anecdote. One of the greatest raconteurs and storytellers you've ever seen has just passed you an anecdote. Do not... I repeat, do not fuck this up. So I tell the story of like interviewing him and I mentioned Will and then he said, well, and then and we all get, and that's how we all came to be there that night. And it's really cool. And then we're all talking. Now you hear the, the Jacobites joke that he was talking, that, that he did in the interview. He did that Jacobites joke on stage that night as well. And whilst we're all stood around talking, we're all chatting away and suddenly Fish just leans right over down to me. He's a big guy. And he, and he just looks at me and he puts his finger right, points his finger in my face and goes, don't be nicking that fucking Jacobite's joke. That's mine. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I think it's brilliant, Mr. Fish. I wouldn't dare steal it, Mr. Fish. Of course not, Mr. Fish. Oh, oh, thank you for pointing at me aggressively. That was a great experience. I was just, I was just a fucking mess, as you can tell. You can hear the smile on my face as I'm telling this story. I've told this story so many times since it happened, and I never tire of this story because it's fish. So anyway... Uh, everyone else sort of filters away and then it's down to just the three of us me, Will and Willie and we actually go, we now go into the building and we stood right outside his dressing room and Will's saying he's, he's going to want to go for a drink and, and I was like oh fucking hell, I've got to drive all the way up north tomorrow and Willie's going yeah I've got to do interviews and Will's going yeah I know and I've, I've got a day's writing to do as well so you know we'll, we'll, we'll just say goodbye okay fine Fish comes out with half a pint of wine in his hand just goes up to Will and goes you want to come for a drink? and Will goes well, yes, of course. <laughs> Straight away. It was great. Because as, as Fish is walking away, the three of us are walking behind him, and me and Willie are looking at Will like, I thought we agreed. And Fish is looking at us both going, it's Fish. And we're all like, yeah, yeah, I know. So we're walking up these stairs, and I'm so fucking knackered at this point. I am absolutely wiped out. It's been a really, really busy few days. And um, up and down to Burnley and all the rest of it. And then um, there's this... I'm just thinking, oh, I don't know, do I want to go for drinks back at the hotel? Do I? Do I really? And this little, again, 15-year-old Howard just appeared on, my, appeared on my shoulder and was like, you wanker. This is a chance to go for a few beers with fish at his hotel. Fucking do it. There's no, oh, you're tired? Shut up. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. So we walk out, we go upstairs, we go upstairs, we come out. 
And then we said, right, where are we going to go? There's no bars open. It's a Sunday night. And then Fishy's daughter, who is lovely, by the way, a really nice girl, um, and as was his wife, who was in the interview. Um, she goes, well, the, the bar will be shut at the hotel, um, and it's Sunday night, so they'll definitely be shut. And we're like, oh, right. So drinks are off. So basically everybody's in, everyone's in their bus ready to go down to the hotel. Fish is outside, gives Will a big hug, gives Willie a hug, comes to me, and I just put my hand out, shake his hand, say, Fish, thanks for everything takes my hand and he just ignores my hand completely envelops me I mean he's six foot four and I know this sounds very much like what Max did as well and it is kind of similar but hey it happened so there you go it's the truth Ruth so he just envelops me all six foot four of them in this big hug and he just says in my ear it's nice to see you again Howard <laughs> I mean he fucking knows who I am how mad is that fucking insane right I mean, uh, just absolutely what an experience. It was fucking amazing. It really was. Um, I, I Yeah, I mean, it's just what a buzz. What a buzz. Um, thanks to Matt again. It, it wouldn't happen without you, buddy. So thank you. Um, and, and what a just what a top man, you know. You know, don't meet your heroes. Well, it's been quite a time. I've got, got you know, I've, I've messaged with Suzanne Vega. I have met Max. I have met Bruce Dickinson and I've met Fish. So out of all of those, you know, one turned out to be a dud. That's not a bad bat average in my book. I think I think that's all right. I'm I'm you know I'm I'm chuffed with that. I'll take that. Um, so um, uh, what are we doing now? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do now. We're going to have some music. That's right. I'm going to play some uh, of the new Thirteen album. Um, there is a section that is um, that I'm going to uh, pop at the end as well because I'm going to be doing some guest appearances on the Bloodstock Radio podcast. Um, so check that out. Um, I am going to put my the, my little contribution that I did on the end of this podcast as well for you to listen to. Um, uh, in the extra podcast, there's going to be I did an interview over in Portugal, um, which was really cool, um, and there's going to be all sorts of bits and bobs. But anyway, um, look, I've done enough of plugging the um, the subscription thing. Um, right, it's now time for some new thirteen. So without further ado, from the new album, The Patient Man, comes this song, Nihilist. <laughs>
You would not believe the ball ache I have had since I introduced that song. The fucking... its I think it's going to be time for another laptop or wipe this one clean. It's been giving me grief for the last few weeks. And Anyway, just lots of fucking bullshit, as usual. Um, it finally just remains for me to say, uh, look, thank you very much. It is a... Uh, it is a shorter podcast, but bloody hell, it is fine quality. It is the quality, not the quantity, after all. Um, thank you very much again to all of you um, who listen. I really do appreciate it. Um, wherever you're listening, whatever you're doing, whenever you're doing it, it, it it's just it's a pleasure to be in your ears. Um, once a month and sometimes more often than that. I'm going to continue to try and get as many different people from as many different walks of life and different types of bands and all sorts of stuff, all the good stuff. I will continue to try and make this another record year because every year I keep going is a record of some kind. Um, So please do subscribe, tell your friends about it, do all the usual. If you're on iTunes, give us a review. That'd be really cool if you could do that. Um, The only way I've got of spreading the word is you guys, and I really do depend on you entirely for your help with this. So please do, if you can, um, spread the word. And whenever some idiot goes, when am I going to have for three spare hours? Just, you know, the usual. Listen to it in bits, you dick, over a month. Um, but I really do appreciate it. I really do. And now um, I am going to play. I'm going to play out now with a 15 minute um, kind of guest section that I did on Bloodstock Radio podcast, which is going out tonight, actually. Um, and um, it's quite. A de- uh, uh, yeah, it, well, it, it, it is what it is. I am just going to play it and um, and leave it at that. So anyway, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed your company as always. Please do take care. And um, I'll talk to you next month. Well, I'm going to talk to you for a bit now, but it's a different bit. It's not live. It was done like last week. But anyway, you know the drill. Enjoy.
Hello, Bloodstockers. Um, uh, my name is Howard H. Smith. This, this sounds a bit like um, an AA meeting, doesn't it? Um, hi, my name's Howard. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, um, my name's Howard H. Smith. I uh, Some of you may know me as the lead singer of Acid Rain. I also have my own podcast, Talking Bollocks, which is a sort of comedy heavy metal podcast. Give it a, give it a whirl sometime. Um, I also uh, do spoken word shows, one coming up on April the 6th up in... Uh, uh, up in Glasgow, um, that's the day before Lords of the, Lords of the Land. So um, that's at the audio. If you want to come along to that, that'd be really cool. Plug, plug, plug. Um, I also perform. I've been performing stand-up comedy for the last twenty years. I also perform as a comedy character, Keith Platt. So, um, so there you go. That's that's me. Um, I was lucky enough with Acid Rain to headline the Sophie stage um, back in twenty sixteen, which was amazing. And, um, and for those of you that came that night, thank you very, very much. For those of you that couldn't make it, um, never mind, catch us next time. Um, so, I wanted to talk to you all, um, it's kind of odd really. Um, I'm, I'm 47 years old and um, I'm, I may well not have been here um, uh, if it wasn't for something that I did about five years ago. Um, I, um, I went for counselling. I had reached a point in my life where things had become unsustainable. Um, my my life, my thought patterns were extremely unhelpful. I was miserable, um, and I always thought it was there was something else. I always thought. I mean, I went through four jobs, miserable in all of them, and it wasn't until I became self-employed and was still miserable that I had to kind of look at myself and say, right, okay, what have all of those jobs got in common? That's right, me. I'm the problem. Um, and because I was self-employed, I had no money, so I went to my doctor and I asked for um, for some help. Um, I said, look, I'm really struggling. And, and luckily I had a very good GP who referred me on the NHS um, and they, uh, they called me about 10 days uh, after my initial appointment with the doctor and um, he, uh, they did a 20 minute interview over the phone um, they asked me if I'd ever done any kind of sort of um, therapy at all. And I said, yes, I've been doing psychotherapy on and off, um, which was great when I was doing it. But when I stopped doing it, I'd just go back. And it's just, this had become a cycle I was stuck in where I was, you know, I was feeling OK when I was talking to somebody on a regular basis. Then I'd stop thinking I was OK and then I'd end up back at square one. And I wanted to try and not be in that routine anymore. And I couldn't afford to pay for private psychotherapy anymore. So um, I was recommended to um, I was recommended for a sixteen more uh, sixteen week course of CBT, which is cognitive behavioural therapy. And for me, um, it's it's I guess it's probably I don't know if I ever would have ended up taking my own life, but um, it, I, so I'm not going to say it saved my life, but it certainly turned my life around completely. Um, I mean, uh, the we released as a band, Acid Rain released a single last year called The Man Who Became Himself, which is uh, pretty autobi- autobiographical on, on, on my behalf. Um, check out the lyric video on YouTube, kids. Um, I, you see, even when I'm being serious, I've still got to get a plug in there. But um, I, I wanted to talk to you about all of this because for those of you who are aware of me and, and what I do... I might seem like the last person that you would expect to be going through anything like this. And um, if there's anybody listening to this who is feeling like any of this is ringing a bell, then hopefully, you know, 
you know, I'm, if you can if you can hear me talking about this, it'll make it easier for you to pick up the phone. And it's just a simple call to a GP that can make all the difference. I mean, it really did turn my life around. Um, and with the worrying statistics about you know the biggest killer of men under fifty being themselves being suicide, um, it really is something that we need to address and we need to have an open conversation about because far too many men are not dealing with their emotions, not dealing, not processing things that have happened to them either in their childhood or their lives that they keep locked away, they don't talk about and it ends up killing them. And, you know, I'm, I for one tried everything to, uh, to avoid dealing with issues that I deep down knew I had. And in that very first session of CBT, I came out with some stuff that had been in my head for years and it felt so good to say it out loud. It became real. It became something I could actually handle, I could deal with, as opposed to just something bouncing around in my head. And uh, I tried everything. I, you know, I was changing jobs. I was buying sports cars. I was going out with girls who were m much younger than me that I shouldn't have been going out with. And just constantly trying to paper over the cracks of unhappiness in my life. But in myself, I wasn't happy with myself. And you are, you are never going to be happy until you're happy with yourself and your own skin. I remember hearing a very uh, a very interesting story. Well, it's not a story, but it's kind of a, a story. Well, it is a story, but it's, it's told in the concept of to describe depression. And that story is that you can wake up in a beautiful house in an amazing part of the world you get up and you look out the window and there's a beautiful sandy beach leading to a blue ocean. The sun's out, there's a slight breeze. It looks absolutely stunningly beautiful. And you think, my God, this is perfect. And then you realise you're there, ruining it. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. If you're not happy in yourself, you, you're not going to find happiness. And it's a real, it's, it's, I'd hit rock bottom. I, I knew that I had to do something. And I remember going and filling out, you have to fill out a form when you first get there. And there's various questions about your emotional states. Um, like, you know, do you find yourself being, you know, really unhappy, very unhappy, completely depressed, how many times, once a week, twice a week, you know, questions like this. And there was a final question about suicidal thoughts. And it says, do you have suicidal thoughts um, uh, once a week, more than once a week, once a day and there wasn't even a box for me to tick which was multiple times a day and but when I say suicidal thoughts I, I'm, I'm going to describe that in a little bit more detail um, nobody suddenly thinks oh I know what I'll kill myself it's it's at there's either been several attempts or it's a thought that grows. And I, I mean, I'm, I, have enough, I have enough distance from how I used to feel to be able to look back on it objectively and see where I was. And I know I, looking back, I can see that suicide, um, when, you, when you have problems, when you have emotional problems, when you have depression, you get stuck in, um, in a vortex of thinking that is completely unhelpful to you. And it's just self-destructive. And when you're stuck in this, these thought patterns, at some point or another, you get to the end of this thought pattern and one day suicide pops into your head as a solution. You think, oh, well, yeah, well, that would sort everything out. And you don't think, oh, my God, right, OK, well, better go and get some pills. Um, you, you just think, right, OK, oh, well, there's that. 
And then the next time you're in that unhelpful place and you're in that down place, suicide's already there. It's already a discussion that you've had once before with yourself. And it starts becoming a regular thing. It starts appearing at the end of those thought patterns every time you get into that deep, dark place. And it happens more and more often. And it almost becomes like a go-to Oh well, oh well. Yeah, look, don't worry too much because there's always that. There's always that final solution at the end there, and that that's you know you've always got that in your back pocket. You know you've got that. <laughs> you know, do you want to gamble or you you know you've got that? You're safe. Sorry, um, but it it eats away at you, and it, and it actually you can actually end. It's amazing what you, the human brain can rationalise, and you can end up rationalising that as a solution to to also you see it as a solution for you but you also think that's a solution for everyone else as well because you you know you you think you're pretty much worthless and you you know you're cluttering up other people's lives as well and you you know wouldn't it just it, it, that's actually a cure-all situation everybody would be better off um and that is obviously not a healthy place to be in at all um and 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 and, and, and please this this is not just men I'm talking to this is women as well I know that you know the human the human mind is is an incredibly powerful thing and we all have one and it really can play tricks on us and sometimes you you know you can wonder why you seem to be your own worst enemy um but you know there is there is also a social conditioning that that leads to men not dealing with their emotions properly enough I mean even simple things like like breaking up in relationships I I remember you know I've I've had countless failed relationships hey I'm 47 I'm not married and I've got I've got no children um and um I you know I I look back on breakups and I think I remember you know being in breakups and seeing girls sort of they would appear to have completely moved on you know within a month and I'd I'd still be there still processing it still wallowing in 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 the death of this relationship and oh but what it was is that is that that, you know and and also feeling really you know really real hatred towards uh, towards her for moving on so quickly but of course what she'd done is she'd she'd emotionally processed what had happened you know she'd grieved for it she'd cried she'd cried her heart out and 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 got it out and dealt with it and moved on whereas as a guy you i you know i i was just I wasn't able to, to, to cry it out. I wasn't able to emotionally deal with it. And, you know, it, it would take me a year to get over a breakup that, that, that you know, a partner would, would get over in a month. And that's purely because I just didn't have the emotional tools to deal with it. And I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody about it. And it would, it would fester. And, and, and that's just one example of, of there is still this machismo society. There is still this masculine um, you know, don't talk about your emotions, don't show emotions, don't cry, don't ask for help. And that is what is holding back so many men of my age from asking for help for, and it's just such a shame. And all it takes is a call to a GP. That's all it takes. And not only that, it's, for me, and I know it's, I know it's going to be hard for some people to talk to a stranger but believe me when I say that talking to a stranger is the best thing because a stranger is not going to judge you. A stranger doesn't know who you are. A stranger doesn't know your friends. A stranger doesn't know where you work. A stranger doesn't know anything about you. 
And they don't bring all of the baggage that your friends or family who, who've known you for years, they don't bring any of that baggage to the conversation. They are purely um, a, a, an advocate for you. They are there to help you. When you talk to them, they've got no preconceptions of who you are, what you do, where you've been, what you're about, what you have done, what you haven't done. You know, they are purely there as somebody to be there for you and you solely. And it is so, it, it's a liberating feeling. It really is. And, it, and if, if any of you out there are listening and if any of this rings true, please do um, get help ring the doctor you know and, and and also look i'm not a therapist but if you want to if you want to message me if you want to tweet me or you know i'm i'm more than willing to have a conversation with anyone about this because having done 16 weeks of cbt i i've come out the other side of it so much happier uh, my life has changed immeasurably um and i've changed as a person and and all of my friends and family are you know amazed to this day the difference in me and it's, it, it, you know, you, you need, you need to get help and it's, it don't, it, you know, it get, it'll get worse before it gets better, but believe you and me, it is worth it. And if you haven't got your health, whether it's physical or mental, what have you got, you know? And the thing about this is it's not something you can see, you know, if someone's got a broken arm, you know, there's something wrong with them, but it, 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 this hides and it is there and it is there it has the potential to be there in any of us so you know whatever whatever you're doing whilst you're listening to this um if anything i've said has rung a bell just make that call make that call and it just has to be to you know just to your gp and if they can't refer you then they'll find you somebody who can um and if they can't refer you within that particular practice then they'll find you somebody who can um and uh, it, you know it's it's just something I feel really passionately about and it's something that I, I wanted to talk to you guys about because I am going to be appearing on uh, on this podcast um, occasionally and it's not all going to be really depressing, okay? And it's not all going to be really serious because that's not my nature. I am a comedian after all. But I wanted to, um, I don't know, I guess I wanted to share with you a little bit more of me than... Um, maybe some of you really wanted to hear about. You know, sorry for sharing more than you cared to know about me. But ultimately, um, we're a community, and and the metal the metal world is just amazing. There's nothing else like it. No other no other t- genre of music has the kind of religious devotion and forums um, that that we do. And this Bloodstock podcast is one of them. Um, and you know, you, you don't, it, it's just it's an incredible thing. And I just wanted to try and share a really positive message with you all. Um, and over the over the coming weeks and months, um, that you will get various bit, clips of stupidity from me, and you will get me playing my favourite tunes and all the rest of it. But I just kind of wanted to introduce myself to you all. If none of you knew who I was, and if some, and which is, I would say, most of you. And for those of you that that are aware of my work or whatever, then you know, just let you know that there, there, nothing, not everything is as it seems on the surface sometimes. And um, I guess it doesn't 
you know, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to share that with you all. So where, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope you're all well. Um, I'd like to thank Paul for this opportunity to speak to you all. I will be doing again, as I've said. Um, check out my, my podcast, Talking Bollocks, where uh, there won't be any of this. It's just pure me mouthing off like an idiot. Um, and check out uh, check out some of my comedy if you want. Um, KeithPlatt.co.uk, AcidRain.co.uk. Um, Talking Bollocks is on YouTube and in all your podcast apps. And once again, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Hope you're all well. Take care. Speak to you next time. Bye-bye.